Imagine getting up every day full of energy as if you were in your 20s again. What would that be like? What would that be worth to you? What is your health worth to you? Think about it. Your health isn't everything, but without it, everything else is nothing. And yet too many of us are taking it for granted until something goes wrong. No one wakes up hoping to be diagnosed with a disease or chronic illness. And yet we've never been taught how to be proactive in our health through our school system or public health. As a registered health coach and integrative health practitioner, I believe it is time this information is made available to everyone. Combining new knowledge around your health and the ability to do my functional medicine lab tests in the comfort of your own home will allow you to optimize your health for today and all your tomorrows. Don't wait for your wake up call. Welcome back to the Don't Wait for Your Wake Up Call podcast. I am Melissa Dealey, the host of the show, and today I am very excited to bring to you a colleague who has become a friend, and her name is Elizabeth Schaefer. She's an occupational therapist, which she's been in that line of work for over 20 years. She works with clients all over the world, is currently living in Estonia, is the mother of two boys, and... I would love to have Elizabeth share her story into this work with you as we continue on the theme of sleep this month. So Elizabeth, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for inviting me, Melissa. It's always a pleasure to have a conversation with you because I always leave it with just so much knowledge and, and reset of what I should do to take care of myself. So I'm happy to be here. And that's the wonderful thing is we practitioners, we can all learn from each other, right? Nobody knows everything, but having resources of other practitioners around us help us better serve our clients as well and continue to build our knowledge. So I love that. Thank you. You're welcome. So a little bit about me. So I'm originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, um, American, and but my husband is foreign service. So right now, like you said, we're in Estonia, but uh, I've lived in seven different countries in the last 15 years. So it's been an exciting life, lots of changes, lots of different time zones. And I understand with changing those time zones and sleep regulation, and I've really learned to appreciate sleep when you're moving a lot. I am a therapist. I first graduated therapy school in 2001 and went back in 2015 to get my doctorate because I really wanted to study the impact of stress on parents of children with special needs because I was one of those parents and it was a topic that wasn't being addressed and wasn't being talked about which I never understood because honestly, the parents are the key, one of the key components to a child's health. And so when I finished my studies back in 2018, they were published and I was so excited to get the word out of how much stress our parents are under and the impact of that stress on their health, on their kids' health, on therapy. There's so many different layers to it. And so I'm really excited to be here today to talk about sleep because that is one of the key things to decreasing stress. And a lot of us don't even realize that that is an accelerator of stress, not getting enough sleep. This is a topic that I'm very passionate about. And I'm excited to be here to talk to you about it. That's awesome. And I fully agree. Sleep makes us more stress resilient. When we get better sleep, we are able to cope with the stresses that daily life throws at us. And we know we're going to be thrown, you know, daily stresses. We just need to know how to set ourselves up to better cope. So I would love you to share in your training um, some tips that you learned um, in regards to the importance of sleep and how you put that into practice when you're working with your clients. Well, that's a good one. So. A lot of times, you know, I think there's two sides I can do to the, you know, I can talk about helping kids to sleep and then the parents. Let's but do both because everybody needs it. <laughs> yeah. So often I, I get a lot of parents that come to me and they say, 
my kid is wired. They have such a hard time falling asleep. They are jumping all over the place. They, they won't settle at night. And I hear that all the time. And so one of the main things that I do just in general, when I work with children, it's self-regulation. You know, how can I help kids get to that state where they are in calm, happy, and a state where they're able to interact and learn, not too low energy or not too high energy, right? That just right. And so a lot of times when I'm helping parents for kids sleeping, like you said before, one of our conversations, you said routine. And that is so important. And a lot of times I find parents where they're shutting the TV off and they're saying, okay, go brush your teeth and go to bed. And what they don't realize is how much stimulation that TV is with the lights and the flickering. And especially for kids with autism or that are highly sensitive, ADHD, they pick up on those external sensory stimulators so much more than we do. And it stimulates their nervous system so much more than we, you know, than it would affect us. So for them to dysregulate after watching TV or even playing a video game, you know, it's a lot harder for them to, to really start to regulate back. Now, so one of the things I say is, you know, read a book. That is one of the best things you can do. I, I've read literally to my kids every night since they were literally, I'd say six months old until we kind of stopped around age 11. But even when there's a good book, we still get back and we read it as a family. And I love that time at night. And so that helps me wind down too, reading to them. So we always, we have that routine. And the other thing is when kids and when anyone, right, when you want to get to that parasympathetic, you want to start calming the nervous system. One of the greatest things is deep pressure. And you had told me that you had someone on that made weighted vests or weighted blankets. And, and that's a great thing to help just have that light pressure so they feel just more grounded and more settled. But you know, when people go for massage, there's a reason why that is something that has lasted for a millennium because it's, it really does promote health, that circulation, that calming of the nervous system when you are massaging. So, a lot of times for the younger kids, I do stories and I walk on their, like their legs, I squeeze up their legs. So we're doing like a story about Jack and the Beanstalk and I, I interact and I'm like, all right, we're going to squeeze, we're going to, the, the Beanstalk is growing and I go like this and I squeeze up their legs and then we just do like a little walk and so they love it. So what I'm doing is I'm telling a story, especially little kids, and they're getting that deep, deep, deep pressure. And I just it's want to fun. interrupt there for people that are listening and that aren't seeing this a video version. Oh, okay, when you sorry. say you're walking on their body, you're walking with your hands, not your yes. feet, <laughs> and you're squeezing their legs with your hands. I'm watching yeah. you do this, but realizing you're saying the word walk. So I just wanted to interject and explain that, that it's using your hands. So it's a form of massage, but you're making it fun by interacting with the story as you uh, share the story with them. I'm as not well. walking on my kids. Yes. yes. Thank you very much for bringing that out. <laughs> Please, I don't want people walking on their kids and saying, <laughs> but I heard this was good. Thank you very much for, for uh, reminding them. But yeah, so that massage at night, my kids love uh, the feet massage, the foot massage at night. I mean, it's just so, so regulating for kids. And, you know, you don't have to be a masseuse to do this it's just squeezing and you know um the toes I just kind of squeeze the toes and sometimes just like pull each little toe you know and, and we used to do that for our kids when we were little remember the little this little piggy went to the market you know exactly um, yeah and so it's great body awareness too yes but yeah that is one you know, that deep pressure to help them to sleep the other thing I use is music you know, mm -hmm. I, I don't think we really understand how much we, you know, the, the brain frequencies of sleeping and, and regu regulation. And I usually have my parents try, you can find this on YouTube, it's a, a Hertz where it's like the, the delta, delta frequency, because that is the frequency you, your brain goes into when you sleep. So I have them fall, I have my kids fall asleep to music that has the Delta hurts in it. And that really does help calm them and keep them in that 
um, sleep state. And I've had parents that have tried every single specialist imaginable for their kids and that one technique and their, their daughter sleeps now by her, by herself and stays sleeping. So that's you know. fabulous. I was going to say, cause I know of binaural beats and it's the same thing. it is the same thing. So they can just Google binaural beats yeah. and find it on YouTube or even probably on, you know, Apple music and download them or other places like that. I know that you can buy uh, binaural beats online as well, because I've done that myself. Um, and so, yes, extremely powerful and beneficial to helping people who have sleep issues. So yeah, keep going. <laughs> okay. So, but you know, and everyone's different of what they need. So, mm -hmm. and that's the one thing I, I always tell parents, number one is try different things, but try them a couple times before you go to something else. Cause I think sometimes we're like, okay, it didn't work once. And we just go to the next thing. But it takes time sometimes for things to work. So I always try say at least try four or five times before you say this doesn't work, unless your kid has a negative reaction to it. Right. You know, if they're right. crying for some reason when you're doing, you know, obviously stop. Like listen to their signals. Um, let's see. And you know, it's so important for me to have my kids go to sleep feeling safe and loved. And, you know, because when the state you go to sleep in, I feel is the state you wake up in. And so it's always important for me at night to really cuddle and say, I love you. And just, you know, and sometimes we talk about three things that we're grateful for that happened in the day. So they're going to sleep and, and thinking of these nice things that they're, that, that happened. Um, instead of worries, especially now, I think kids have so much anxiety. And so if we can focus on those more positive things before we fall asleep. I love that. You've just given me full body goosebumps, which when that happens to me, I know the truth has been spoken. And this, uh, in the previous episode, I talked exactly about this and I was referring more to adults. So I love that you're talking about this for children, but several episodes ago, I talked about routine, but in the last episode, I was talking about the state that your brain goes to sleep in and ways to send your brain to sleep in a happy state. And one of those techniques is a gratitude journal. And, you know, with kids, you can talk it out. They don't have to write it down, but just talking it through and reminding them of the good in their day allows them to go to sleep happy versus letting them fall asleep with worries about their day or worries about tomorrow. It is so powerful because the, then the brain does get into a deeper more restorative sleep rather than waking them up in the night with those worries. And that, you know, especially some of our sensitive kids, cause they do wake up. I know my one son, Max, he woke up for years at 3 a.m. <laughs> just upset. And so really when he was at the age where I really could talk to him and help him to calm and get into that nice feeling safe space, that was really important for me. The other thing I know that has helped my kids are baths. You know, we forget how fun baths are, a warm bath, and especially with Epsom salts. I've always put in Epsom salts for my kids. And you know, that's just, that's something they've really loved because that also helps them to really calm. They have the water. And, and so that's been another thing that really is, mm -hmm. is helpful. Very kids. powerful because there's the magnesium in the Epsom salts, which the skin absorbs really well. And that helps the body relax and the warm water lifts that body temperature. And uh, before getting into bed in the cooler room, which is what we want for optimal sleep and allows us to just slip into again, a nice restorative sleep. So I love that. This is so aligned with my past episode without you even having had a chance to listen to the past episodes. So it's beautiful. Thank you. Um, and so just in terms of, you know, your client base, uh, is this a problem that you see on a regular basis in terms of kids and parents struggling with sleep? 
Yes, it really, really is. Um, and I think too, that's one thing I've always, the number one thing is just making sure because it, you know, when my kids go to school, I can't help how they're going to focus in school. I can't help, you know, how their mood's going to be. But what I can do as a parent is I can make sure I'm giving them the, the, best chance to be rested the next day, <laughs> to feel good, to have that energy. Um, because I can't, you know, and that's really important to me. So even we lived in South America when my kids were little and they stay up till midnight. I mean, their little guys are running around. They don't eat till eight. And they would always laugh at us Americans because my kids are like, okay, it's seven. They're going to bed. <laughs> Part of it, it was for my sanity too. But you know, I always knew that importance of sleep that is just so important. And, you know, the one thing that I think, especially parents and of teens is, you know, my teen's getting that too. He's like, well, I'm a teen. I can stay up later. And I'm like, yeah. And he, he looks at it like that's a, a, you know, now that I'm a teen, I, I'm able to do these things. Like it's a privilege. And, a rite yeah, of passage. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you can, but <laughs> you have to sleep in, you need this much, you know? And so it's really important for me now as he's getting into that stage of making those decisions himself, when to go to bed and how to go to bed. And, and so I've been really instilling habits in him just knowing and I don't even say do it I say these are the impacts when you stay up this is what happens <laughs> and let him choose because no teen wants to be told what to do and you know I can just give them information and hope they make the right choice but I think that's so important especially the electronics at night I I had the opportunity to um, be a guest at a lecture it's a guest lecture in Romania and they were at the, the international school that I was at. And this gentleman, he's a researcher and he was researching the brainwaves of these teens and showing that when they were playing these games and then they would go to sleep, they were having the same brain activity when they were sleeping as they had during the game. So they weren't resting even. And I think that for us as parents, we have to understand just because their eyes are closed doesn't mean <laughs> that their brain and body is actually getting to that reset. And for, for my kids, and especially our, our kids that are very sensitive and have the neurotypical, you know, it's really important for them to have that moment to just be rested because if their little nervous system is not having a chance to reboot and they're going and caring from what they just had the day before, it's, it's really, really hard. So especially our kids with autism, ADHD, sleep is so, so important. hundred percent. I agree with everything that you're saying here. And I love it. Like I said, there's such alignment with my last few episodes and uh, what you're saying there with just the importance of optimal sleep. It's not just the hours spent in bed. It's actually optimizing your sleep, right? And that's what, unfortunately, we haven't been taught as a population, as a human race. It is assumed that because we sleep in the womb and we come out and we you know, sleep a lot as babies because we need to, that we know how to sleep. And yes, we know how to sleep, but there's so many things in our modern life that are getting in the way of us getting into optimal sleep. And because we haven't been taught this, we don't realize the habits that are negatively impacting our sleep. And so I love that you not only work with kids, but you're working with parents as well, because when parents understand this, they're going to improve their sleep which is gonna allow them to be more stress resilient to the stresses from daily life, the stresses from you know being a parent. Let's face it, there's lots of stresses being a parent and our kids know how to push our buttons. But when we have this knowledge and can then share it with our kids, we can set our whole family up for better quality sleep that allows us to wake up feeling restored and rejuvenated and be our best during the day, as you mentioned, so that, you know, the kids can have, you know, the ability to focus at school and learn. 
versus being at school and yawning all day and potentially falling asleep through classes, which we know happens too, right? Mm -hmm. And so all of this is um, so important. And I just want to touch on one piece as well that I didn't touch on significantly in past episodes, and I think it's really important, and you probably have some good insight here, but another piece to helping kids uh, get into a good sleep at night is dependent on the time that they're eating their last meal and what they're eating for their last meal. Is that something that you can share uh, some information around? I think you would actually probably be better at that, honestly, you know, I, because for me with the eating, you know, we've always had early meals because I understand it takes a while to digest. So we've always been early eaters. And for us, actually, it's more the carbs later because the carbs help to kind of calm, at least for my kids. And so, like I said, you're probably more um, equipped to answer that question as far as the eating habits. I really, that's something that I, I don't always look at. Right. Obviously not a lot of sugar or dairy. And right. some people do use, I always see like the yogurt to fall asleep. I'm like, no, because <laughs> you know, there's a lot of sugar and then the dairy too, it's, it's, it's very, yeah. So like those things, the basics of no dairy, you know, little sugar, but if you want to add on to that, I'm sure you could add more to that. Sure. And I will just quickly, because it hasn't come up and I think it is so important, but you've touched on a big component of it is what are they having for dinner and the time of dinner? And then is there dessert being factored in there? What's in that dessert and how close is it to bedtime? Because of course, very often dessert does include sugar and that is going to, you know, create energy at a time that we're trying to, you know, bring their nervous systems down and calm them. And so just being very conscious of what are you having for dinner? And that's awesome to, you know, have that home cooked, healthy dinner, lots of vegetables on the plate, small portion of protein, some good healthy fats, but then to follow it with a sugary dessert is not ideal for kids. And so if they are hungry later, it's better to offer something that is more easily digested um, and that they can break down. So it may be more like something like a smoothie that might be made with some almond milk rather than a dairy that has a blend of vegetable and fruit in it. And the, the fruit, yes, it has sugar in it, but it's also got fiber in it to balance it out. And then you've got the fiber from the vegetable. And so something like that, that they can drink a little bit of that is nourishing rather than just yogurt, which as you say, is high in sugar and dairy, et cetera. There's, you know, a number of healthy options, even a piece of dark chocolate, and they might not love dark chocolate because it's bitter, but with everything, people can learn to like things. And that piece of dark chocolate, as you learn to like it, is actually very good for you and can satiate that desire for dessert. But dinner can often take two to three hours to digest. And so having that two to three hours before bedtime if you can, is extremely beneficial. And I know that's hard with working families and not getting home till five or six o'clock and wanting your kids to be, you know, in bed at eight o'clock. But then there's other things that you can do to help make that happen, like meal planning ahead of time and planning meals on the weekends and having them available to warm up rather than having to cook from scratch the moment you walk in the door. That's a whole other conversation that could take a whole net, you know, another podcast. But I just wanted to highlight here that what we're feeding kids and when we're feeding them also is impacting their sleep. Definitely. And then there's another aspect. Mm -hmm. and actually, I thought you were going to bring this one up when you said uh, something you were thinking about is breathing. You know, really that one of the key components for breathing and, and regulation, you know, when you breathe and take those deep breaths, you are helping your, you know, sympathetic system to calm. And one of the things I like doing with my kiddos, you know, a lot of us, we are shallow breathers. We've just learned through life or different events. And we've just, we only breathe to hear and really you're being in our chest, in our chest. Yes. I keep forgetting you're in our chest area. And so I really, a lot of my kids that I work with, they're the same way. Cause they're just always, 
you know, they're just taking in so much. And, and I really, most of them are on fight or flight mode for pretty much most of the day. And so I really, really, really work on that breathing with them. So at night, what we do, and I do this for parents as well, is to help them with that belly breath, to really breathe through the belly. And sometimes I find when we practice this and we breathe in, when everyone breathes in, their stomach goes in. <laughs> it's like an automatic thing. And you actually, when you take a deep breath in, you want to think of your chest filling up with air and your belly. So everything should actually expand. <laughs> but normally we have the belly go in, just you know, trying to bring that breath in from both ways, I guess. And so what I do is I take usually like a bag of rice and I put it on the kid's belly and have them breathe and watch the, the, the item go up and down. So something that, that's not going to roll off and not too right. heavy, right. but something enough where they can feel it and see it. And that's a really good tool to help kids do that deep breathing at the end of the night, because that is something that's really important is doing that regulation breath when they're sleeping. The other thing that is important, and I didn't even realize till recently how important this was, is sleeping and breathing through your nose. A lot of the kids that I work with are mouth breathers. And that's something that has a lot of implications. And when they're young, if we can really work on that when they sleep, just as a habit, at least when they go to sleep, to really help them breathing in and out through the nose, because we really want to start that habit early because breathing through, maybe you can add to reasons why we shouldn't breathe uh, in and out of the mouth, which I learned recently from someone It was something with the, um, just our immune system, how much our nose plays, just breathing in and out through the nose with our immune system. And so that's one thing too, just the importance of breathing. And it's something that I've also just learned recently, and I don't know a lot about, but have heard about it on a podcast and the importance of it. And in adults, having people, um, if they want to start learning to nose breathe as they progress through that process is actually when you're out exercising to close your mouth and try to do some of your workout just through your nose. And then as you get better at it, you can do more and more of your workout through your nose. But uh, yes, I've, there's great benefits to it. And it's interesting how many people do actually rely only on their mouth for breathing. And it is the secondary option for when our nose is plugged. It is not meant to be our primary breathing mechanism. So yeah, that, that is definitely one. And then, like you said, with the routines for us, because I know a lot of parents, I did this for years. I would, my kids would go to bed and I would spend that time researching what I could do to help them because my kids have some challenges. And even though I'm a therapist, <laughs> you know, I was there to help them, but the way they came into the world was the way they came into the world. And so I would stay up in bed. I would be researching, doing stuff on the computer. And I was realizing probably when they were, when my youngest, when my oldest was about six, I really started to have some health issues and no one could figure them out. And I, what I didn't realize is honestly, I was always on, my sympathetic was just on, like even when I was sleeping. So I wasn't getting enough sleep. I was going to bed late. I was waking up early, but because I could function, I thought it was okay. And I really didn't realize how much the lack of sleep was impacting me. I didn't dream for five years because I don't think I ever hit that REM sleep. I was aging really quicker than I wanted to for, the, for, for that duration. And finally, I, I was always complaining of being fatigued, always tired, but not realizing that was one of the key components of how I was feeling. And once I just made that rule for myself that after, 
10 is usually the no electronics <laughs> for me. And, you know, I try to do it a little bit earlier and read and working on that. But I have to have that limit for myself and know, and I have to be asleep by 1030 because I'm waking up at 630. So I'm always making sure I get those at least eight hours. And I really notice the difference the next day. And I, you know, I kept saying, I have foggy brain, I have all this, but it was just because I wasn't sleeping. <laughs> and so many times I hear parents say, it's so challenging the behaviors of our kids and being frustrated and not having patience. Well, one of the reasons why we have such a short fuse sometimes is because we're sleep deprived. So, you know, working on the kids' behavior is one of the things, but just taking time to make sure we are in that healthy state is so helpful because then we can manage whatever comes our way the next day. Exactly. Um, and I, I love what you're saying there. And it just reminds me of a mantra that I created for myself when I got you know, into this line of work where I started this training was, is that self-care is the most selfless act because it allows us to show up and give the world the best of us instead of what's left of us. And part of that self-care is ensuring we are getting enough sleep every night and enough good quality sleep. As you experienced, it's not enough to just, you know, be on the computer and then go to sleep late and expect to fall asleep. We don't actually sleep on demand. Sleep is more complicated than that. And we need to train our brain to recognize the signals of us getting ready for bed. So the brain will be producing melatonin in order to help us be getting into that deep restorative sleep. And yet the number is astounding. It's like 70 million Americans are trying to survive on less than six hours of sleep a night. And again, because people haven't been taught this, they don't realize what this is doing to their health. And it's so important to be highlighting this for people. And so I love that you are working with the parents in order to help them improve their sleep so that they can help their kids improve their sleep, but also be better able to support their kids in a really positive way and with energy. And the household life can just be more joyful, right? Yes, because it really wasn't those early days when I wasn't getting sleep. It really, it was, it was hard, <laughs> you know, and I was looking, oh, what can I do to help feel better? And I was seeking all these other things in the cheapest, simplest, solution <laughs> sleep is something that I wasn't doing right so, but we you know. don't know what we don't know until we need to know right so you yeah. needed to know and you figured it out but uh that's the purpose of this podcast is to highlight different people's stories I'm I hope that there is someone out there that hears your story and realizes that's me you mean I can do something about this? I can fix this, right? And be inspired by your story. And it's simply providing the information for those who need it when they need it. And sleep is such a massive problem in our world today. And it's the combination of sleep and stress, as you talked about at the very beginning. You know, high stress being stuck in that, you know, fight or flight system negatively impacts our sleep and our ability to get to sleep. And then we don't sleep well, we wake up tired very often that's when we're reaching for coffee to switch on our brain or a sugary treat and we get into this negative cycle and end up you know fueling our energy through quick fixes and at the end of the day when we should be tired and getting into a restorative sleep we've got too much of that in our system keeping us awake and we do it over and over again and we don't know we don't know because we've never been taught this this information truly isn't taught through our education system or through our public health system. And perhaps the science of it is so new that it hasn't got to these venues yet. But for adults, I do notice that we, we don't have a great venue for ongoing health education for adults to tap into. And when they capture this information through a podcast like this, through some other podcast or some other webinar that they might um, learn from, it's wonderful because they realize there is an answer. And my message to everyone is never give up because there is always an answer. And so keep 
looking for that answer. And sometimes they're really simple and really inexpensive. <laughs> you know, like I said, I think all the time I spent researching all these things that can help me. I mean, and I think that's the other thing sometimes parents are like, well, I only have time at night to do things. And I found that even when I cut myself off and didn't do, do those things, I could get them done twice as fast the next day with that rest. Otherwise I was pushing through. So it, it really, that, that cutting that segment, it's, it's, it's not, you're not losing time. <laughs> you're actually gaining time by gaining more sleep. I fully agree hundred percent with that. When we have the energy and when we're in a lower stress state and out of overwhelm, we're much more able to focus and we get things done more efficiently. 100%. And I will tell you, I'm a different person now that I sleep. <laughs> I, I am happier. I can, I handle things much easier. I'm much more resilient to my kids and I'm quicker at solving problems <laughs> because I can, I'm getting that sleep and it wasn't right away. It took me some time for really my brain and body to heal from all of the things I was putting through for years. And now I'm on that, I'm out of that stage and it, feels so much better. It really, really does. So it's worth it. Sleep is so worth it. And I just want to put that in perspective for the listener. So you struggled for, you mentioned five years. Mm -hmm. When you say it didn't happen overnight, and I know it doesn't because creating new routines is creating a habit and that can take a minimum of 30 days just to create the habit. But Compared to the five years that you struggled, how long would you estimate that it took you to actually get into the ability to sleep well and wake up feeling restored? It, pretty easy. Uh, well, it, it took it took a little while because honestly, every little thing woke me up because I was not hitting that deep sleep. So I every little noise, I was awake. And of course, when you have a husband that snores, forget it. Like, you know, just, I was done. And so that was really, really hard for me at first because I was always waking up and I couldn't control that, right? And so by the time my body really started to settle down and I learned those techniques, like you were saying with those routines and not doing the phone in the bed, looking at the things right before you go to bed and doing it, not watching Netflix because you will get sucked into Netflix. And Netflix once said the only competitor they have is sleep. And it is so true. And they, they were saying like, how can we beat sleep? And they've done it because once you get into a couple episodes, you just don't want to fall asleep. You just want to keep watching. But it really, once I started doing those things in my brain, like you said, it got trained to sleep deeper and now I can, but you know, it did take, it took a little while and it would get better and then it would go off. And it just, it really, I had to be mindful of not only doing those sleeper tunes, but also during the day, was I pushing myself all day <laughs> where I was still wired and, you know, or am I giving myself those breaks of just taking a minute or two and checking in and just breathing before I go to something else? You know, when I do those things throughout the day and self-regulate and check in and make sure I'm not, you know, <laughs> out here and you know I'm in my body and I'm not all in my head and I, I do connect and whether it's through a meditation or simply just breathing and checking in with myself when I do that I can keep that like that green zone that self-regulated optimal state throughout the day because I check in and when I do that too that helps me to sleep better at night love that you've mentioned that. So first of all, I just want to say to any listeners that don't give up. Start the process of improving your sleep and keep going with it. As you mentioned with kids, you try different things and try them at least four or five times. If you are following the six steps to better sleep that I have outlined in previous episodes, 
do that for a minimum of 30 days and you'll start to see some improvement and there might be some fallback and then some more growth, but keep going with it because you will get there in the end, just like you have, Elizabeth. And I also want to mention that sleep is a form of physical rest, but we do have other forms of rest. And I was just doing um, a Facebook Live on this earlier to uh, a group that I'm running right now. And I was talking about mental rest and social rest and creative rest and sensory rest and spiritual rest. And that's what you're alluding to here by stopping and checking in and, you know, doing some breathing or meditation in the middle of your day, you're giving yourself some mental rest. And all of these other types of rest are not something that you have to build into every single day, all of them, but you can build at least one of them into each day and have all of them built into your month. And when we improve all our forms of rest, our physical rest also improves. Thank you for bringing in the sensory aspect too, <laughs> especially for our little kids and our, my kids that are sensitive that have a hard time transitioning and going from one thing to the next. It doesn't take long when you're transitioning to something else just to stop and breathe for 60 seconds. <laughs> really, you know, I, I think people, I mean, it really doesn't take that much time but it really does help. You know, Extremely powerful. And it's something we can do anywhere at any time because we always have our breath with us. And it's just one of those things that we take for granted until we learn the power of it. And then we can start to use it to our benefit. So I've loved this entire conversation. We could go on for, for, you know, for ages here, but I just want to move on to a couple of other questions and also allow you to tell the audience how they can reach out to you because I'm sure there's people out there that could benefit from your work and would love to be able to connect and learn from you and your experience in working with kids and parents. But um, I just want to ask you, what does don't wait for your wake up call mean to you? One of my first clients out of OT school I worked in an outpatient adult rehab center. And this gentleman was in his late 50s, early 60s. And he had retired and two months later had a massive stroke. And so his wife was bringing him in. I was working with him and his right side of his body, he couldn't use as well. And, and so we were, we were working on that. And he was the sweetest man. And he gave me the serenity prayer. And I always remember that. And he said to me, don't wait till you retire to live your life. And at that moment, I said, that will not be me. I will enjoy it now. <laughs> and I will do, I will not put anything off. Like I will enjoy every moment. And I have, like I've traveled all over the world. I didn't wait till I retired. Probably by the time I retire, I'll settle. <laughs> but you know, he really, you know, life, if you wait and wait, you may not get that chance. And so I think that's what that means to me is, is, you know, don't wait to that wake up call. Start now, do things now to take care of your health and your mental well-being, do things you enjoy and things that are good for your body. So yeah, that's what it means to me. I love that. My tagline is that health is your true wealth. And when we have our health, we get to enjoy everything else, right? And you get to live life fully and on purpose. So thank you for sharing that. And what message would you like to leave the audience in order to inspire them to take action in doing just that, stepping into being proactive in their health? You know, we get one body. <laughs> and it's, we don't get to, you know, if this one runs down, we can't switch, right? And so, um, you know, we got to take care of it. And the sooner we take care of it, the less we have to go back and, <laughs> you know, undo some bad things that we, we've done, right? And so starting our kids off with those healthy habits too, because our kids learn from us. And so, yeah, so I would just say really, it's just, it's really, really important. And do I, are there things that I wish I would do more? Absolutely. <laughs> Am I okay? And I, do I harbor myself? No, but I say next day, I'll try. I'll, I'll, well, I won't try. I hate that word. I will 
do this more, whatever I, I'm looking at. But I always make sure I get my core pieces in and movement is one of them because otherwise my day doesn't go so well if I don't start the morning with movement. <laughs> but uh, yeah. And that's awesome. I love it. It's so true. We get one body and treat it as a temple versus filling it, you know, with sludge or just not respecting it. Our bodies are very resilient, which allows us to not fully care for it. But as soon as we do start caring for it, it bounces back so quickly and we regain our health and we change our future outcomes when it comes to our health. And we lower that risk of ending up with some kind of chronic illness or disease. And we have the ability to do this. We just need to know how. So, you know, working with someone like you is a fabulous opportunity for people to step into their healing journey. And so please share with the uh, listeners as to how they can contact you and reach out if they would like to know more about the work that you do with uh, parents and kids. So as an occupational therapist, we work in a lot of different areas. So the area that I am focusing on currently is really supporting parents and children, but more parents now, because if I can help parents help themselves, they are better able to then help their children because their children are gonna grow and change. They're gonna be different problems, But if parents gain that strength and that foundation, they will be able to address those problems as they come. And so I have a couple different courses. One is a uh, mindfully decreasing stress because it is so important for parents to decrease stress. And the sad thing is, is I didn't even realize I was stressed. I really didn't until I was on the other end and I was out of it. I didn't realize that I really was stressed. And so I'm sure a lot of parents like, oh, I'm doing it, I'm handling it, I'm not stressed. I agree with you 100%. And yet the world is the most stressed out it's ever been. And the problem is, is that we look around and we see everyone else just as stressed out. And so we normalize it and accept it as being okay. And it's just life without realizing how it is negatively impacting our health and our ability to show up and give the world the best of us. So that sounds like a fabulous program. Yeah, so it's, I, there's a couple ways I do it. I do it where they can just get pre-recorded four hours of material or they come and do the live workshop. I just last weekend did the live workshop and it was just wonderful. And, and the gentleman at the end, he's like, I can't believe four hours went past. You know, they were really, we were all together. And, you know, I, we need to do these things together. You know, it, you can get information, but having the information as a group and working as a group to make these shifts, it's, it's a different energy. And so a lot of what I do is live with groups because I love Um, I love supporting people where they're at and then continue support. So I have that course, which they can do. And I also have a parenting course that's a six week course that I'm co um, I'm doing it with another professional. She's a uh, early childhood education teacher. And so for parents, I, there's several different layers. One is just decreasing stress. That's the first thing, because if you are too stressed out, people telling you what to do for your kids, like you're going to like, no way I can't do it. So the first thing is restore. Like that is the first thing. And then have information to then help with the challenges you're having with your kids. Right. And so there's a combination of things. So really that's what I'm, I'm trying to take all the things I've heard from parents over the last 20 years struggle with. I'm trying to create systems to help them. So one is that decreasing stress and two is giving strategies to, um, parent without let with less um, conflict and you know really create more happy independent kids <laughs> rather than <laughs> and so there are tricks but even you know I took three par- I took four actually parenting courses before I you know over the years and I always learned something new so I'm one I Absolutely. always no matter what, and I I like learning from all different people. There's always things to learn. So I'm just creating that platform where parents can learn. So I also have interviews of people that have inspired me. I also have a monthly 
um, parenting tools for special children that's free that they can join that is a wonderful platform where parents just come we have different topics and this Monday March 7th is going to be um, uh, sensory regulation but every month is a different topic and we focus the first half on our kids with that topic and then the second half us parents because parents it's, it's so important so yeah so I just any way I can help parents I really try and I also have parent coaching one-on-one -on -one for those parents that need it. But um, yeah, it's just empowering with the tools to be strong as a parent because there's a thing called co-regulation. And that's the ability to calm someone else's nervous system by your nervous system being yes. calm. Yes. And it's giving parents the tools to do that to me is invaluable. And that's really what I do. So they can help their kids who have anxiety, who have these stresses to calm because they can't do it unless they are in that state themselves. I know this because I've, I've been there. So that, that's really what I do. Now. I love that. And so is all of this on your website? Yes. So go ahead and mm -hmm. say it, but I'll also drop the link to the website into the show notes for people to access. So. So my full name is Elizabeth Joy Schaefer, S-H-A-F-F-E-R. So you can find it that way. But I also have a shortened address that's much easier to remember. That's my initials, E-J-S-O-T.com. So that's an easier thing to remember. Perfect. And then there you'll find all the different things that I offer for parents. I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing all of your knowledge about this. It's been phenomenal to have such a wonderful interview that's so perfectly aligned with past episodes on sleep. And it is such an important topic for people. And so highlighting the importance of it is uh, wonderful to be able to do and share with the world. And thank you so much for sharing your time. It's been wonderful to talk with you, Elizabeth. Thank you, Melissa. It's been a pleasure, like always. Well, wishing everyone a wonderful day and tune in to our next episode of Don't Wait for Your Wake Up Call podcast. It will be back with a new month and a new theme. And I look forward to having you tune in. Thank you. Thank you for investing this time with me on the Don't Wait for Your Wake Up Call podcast. I'm so glad you joined in. If you can take two minutes to share this episode with someone you think can benefit and have a positive impact on their life, that would be wonderful. Please leave a review by going to your favorite podcast listening app and let me know what you enjoy or would like to hear more of. It will support me in my effort to bring the possibility of natural healing to a wider audience and help disrupt the sick care system we have today and make human health a global priority. Health is your true wealth.